0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the podcast. I want to thank you all for returning. The last few episodes, I have seen a lot of increase in our views, and that's amazing. And I appreciate you guys sharing it, talking about it. It means a lot. As always, I want to thank first responders for putting their lives on the line and keeping us safe on a regular basis. Your commitment to service does not go unnoticed. Um, On this episode, we are going to be talking about imposter syndrome. So let's talk about it. All right, everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I want to thank you for returning. I'm here with Chaz. What's up, Chaz?
1: What's up? What's up, you guys? Happy to be back.
0: Glad to have you back. And I'm here with a special guest. I'm going to let her introduce herself and tell us who she is. So take it away, Chelsea.
2: Hey, everybody. My name is Chelsea Spagnola. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California.
0: And how do we know each other?
2: We are family. You're my
1: brother in law.
0: Sweet. Perfect. (laughs) She, uh, She keeps me grounded.
1: <laughs> <laughs> to say the least, huh? Yeah. All right.
0: So we, as you saw, as the topic of this episode is imposter syndrome. And to start off, I'm just going to read the definition of imposter syndrome. As per Google, it states it involves feelings of self-doubt and personal incompetence that persist despite your education, experience, and accomplishments. And I want to go with this. As a first-year medical student last year, the school drove this into our head that we shouldn't deal with imposter syndrome or we shouldn't think about imposter syndrome. And I'm sure that a lot of my classmates did. But what I want to talk about is the time you took to get into medical school. So for me, for instance, it took me five, six years to get into medical school. I busted my ass daily, went to undergrad, took all these units each quarter to get to medical school. So when I'm sitting in that seat my first year, even if it's difficult, I just want to think like, why would I think it's, why do I think that I don't belong there? You know, I took all this time out of my my life to get to this spot. So why would I think that I don't belong there? And that's just something I want to ask you, Chelsea. Like, why do you think that goes through people's heads?
2: I mean, that feeling of being a fraud or that like in some way you got there by luck or by chance, I feel like it's something so many people experience. Not everybody acknowledges that or talks about it. But I mean, you didn't get as far as you've got in your career and your education without a little bit of anxiety. So I think a lot of it is rooted in just that. True. And a healthy amount of anxiety is a good thing because it helps us to be motivated and task oriented. We're on the ball, we're setting goals, we're getting shit done. But I think it's when it becomes a little bit too much where it's more of an unhealthy level, that's when you start to see imposter syndrome, You know, more self-doubt, negative self-talk, that kind of stuff that can uh, just make it a little overboard.
0: I agree. So kind of talking about outside of medical school, I did kind of suffer with some imposter syndrome when I reactivated my Instagram and I wanted to make my presence a little known. I did have that self-doubt, like who's going to listen to me? You know, why would anyone listen to me? But then I looked back and the stuff that I went through, I'm 30 now, the stuff that I went through in my twenties, a lot of people in their twenties didn't go through. And I felt like I had a lot, a lot to share. So how do you think someone, even you can chime in Chaz, how do you think someone should? combat that self-doubt or self-negativity of not belonging?
2: I mean, really just, you want to meet yourself where you're at, you know, At, at first, of course, always just giving yourself grace and patience and acceptance, all that good stuff, but also acknowledging what you have accomplished, how far you have come, like looking back on the facts and the evidence and the truth, you know, not not just feelings or thoughts, like what have you accomplished? What is your degree? How many units have you completed? What's the compliment your boss gave you or the promotion or the raise that you got? Because if we're just basing it off of feelings, that's not always going to help because not all of our feelings are based in fact Not everything we think or believe is necessarily true. But if we're able to look back and remind yourself of the things that you have accomplished, that can be a good indicator of, you know, I deserve to be here. I have worked hard. I deserve to be in this spot. Um, Even just getting away from that like black or white thinking or all or nothing thinking of I'm perfect or I'm terrible, you know, I'm a winner, or I'm a loser. That is such an extreme way of thinking. And so many of us fall into that that type of thinking trap or distortion, but we wanna be in the gray area because that is where life happens. Nobody is all good or all bad. Nobody's totally perfect or a complete failure. We're all somewhere in the middle. So in what way am I good enough? And I know that's probably something in your guys' world that might be hard because good enough might not seem good enough. You want to be better. But even just being able to start there, because if you're at a place where you're struggling with imposter syndrome, you're not feeling good enough. I think so much of that comes back to like a core belief of not being good enough.
1: I, I want to just I
0: think that's go for it. I just want to chime in with the winner loser thing. Like <laughs> this this semester, I have <laughs> I've fought <laughs> that. I have fought that because this semester is a lot harder. There's a lot of stuff we've taken over as a second year medical student. I'm in charge of the dermatology club. I'm vice president of the school, all this other stuff. Like so my grades aren't as good as I want them to be. Um, and I battle with that winner-loser. If my grades aren't as good as I want it to be I tell myself like damn am I am I a loser so I guess that is some imposter syndrome that I'm dealing with too so I just I like that you said that
2: Mm -hmm. yeah and I mean again you didn't get this far in your career and your education both of you guys I'm sure without a little bit of that anxiety that pushes you to do good and be better but again if if you're too far to one side then it becomes imposter syndrome it becomes people-pleasing and you're, you're not grounded in your truth and who you are and what you have accomplished. Even when you asked me to do this podcast, the first thing that popped into my head, like, <laughs> shit, am I qualified to do that? Who's <laughs> like, listening to this? Like, what do yeah. I have to say? Like, you know, it's it's something that everybody deals with. And it's also just a sign that you care. Like you care yeah. about your own life, your own success, but also you want other people to be proud of you too. Again, it's just finding that balance of knowing like, good enough is good enough. Like you're never going to reach perfection.
0: Go ahead, Chaz.
1: No, I was just going to say, I think that's a perfect topic to uh, think about too, is that like no one's perfect, right? Like anyone who's teaching something like you, you feel that in order to talk about something, you have to have a PhD or, or, or just be this like Nobel or yeah, peace prize winner. You know what I mean? Right. It's just like something that helps me is that like, um, not comparing myself to others. So like if, if I were to live in this own world, my own space, and I were to figure out how to cut down a tree, right? There's 30 th- different thousand ways of doing it, more efficient ways. I'm just going to personally show you how I do it, right? And I think more people just get so consumed of like comparing themselves to others. I think like majority of the, the syndrome comes from just comparing to others, right? This is the way that it shouldn't be done. This is the way a podcast should be done. This is the way that I should talk. It's like, no, it's like, this is who I am, what I do. And I had a conversation with a lady who uh, she lost like over hundred and like twenty pounds, right? And she was so afraid to like start talking about her story or talk about like how to get started. And she was like, well, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, BS, like, what are you talking about? You don't know what you're doing. Like you literally went through it, right? And it's like, just because she didn't have this, this perfect, image right of a body that she thought she should look like she can't talk about it and i'm like in the grand scheme of things i just work out to work out i didn't know shit before i did this you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. so it's just like people think just because you have this you should know it's like no like you can teach me something like i can't mentally connect or feel or the emotions that you went through like like you are more inclined to talk about this more than i am just because theoretically i can tell you how to get there I've never been through that fire myself. Right. So it's just like, I think when people start comparing themselves of what that image of whatever that topic should be, then they kind of shy away from it.
0: So I, I agree with that. Um, my thing is though, I don't think, when I think that I'm like a winner or a loser, sometimes it's not that I'm comparing myself to me. It's just, I hold myself to such a high standard. I'm sure all of us do We're all kind of like that uptight personalities of we want to be better all the time. So sometimes I have to just remind myself, like, dude it's life you know things happen yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not always going to be perfect but uh <laughs> yeah so I've I've fought that off a lot this these last six months of this semester
1: yeah yeah and you,
2: you, you want to have realistic expectations for yourself too because if you are setting the bar so high and you're not able to stop along the way and like notice the small victories and praise yourself again for how far you're com- how far you've come to just be in the moment and be present and grateful for where you're at now, that long-term goal, whether it's attainable or not, seems so big and so far out of reach that it's hard to keep the motivation to to continue going, you know? But sometimes if our expectations aren't realistic at all, we have to adjust that because we're setting ourselves up for failure if you have these perfectionistic standards. Um, The other thing that I wanted to touch on, you mentioned like uh, how the client you were working with, Was getting into a lot of those like should statements that in itself is a type of cognitive distortion, the shoulda, coulda, woulda type of talk. And in my practice, I like to call that like shooting on yourself. I just think it sounds funny, like shitting on yourself. (laughs) Um, But when you do that, you know, I should have done this, I could have done this, if I would have just done that, that does absolutely nothing but make you feel like shit because there's nothing you could do to go back in time to change anything, do anything different, it just makes you feel like shit. So if you can come back to the present moment, here's where I'm at, here's what I got to do, what's the next step? What's something small, simple, realistic to keep me moving forward?
0: I like that. So kind of back to that, that the lady about the 120 pounds lost. So you were saying that she felt like she couldn't talk about what she went through?
1: Yeah, like, it's crazy.
0: Yeah, so I always like to say like knowledge is power but again as you said the lady she's the one that lost 120 pounds like we if we we know fitness in our own sense but we never lost 120 pounds so that knowledge that she has is her power to share with other people and again you like you said just you went through it you did it so you do have the the background to talk about it so i like that
1: yeah a lot of it too is just invoking belief in them like that that you can you know do this and and, uh, something that goes back with, you know, setting a goal and stuff like that. It's like, I feel like if you're able to set like little systems, uh, for me, I can, I, I feel that I can talk about certain things. Like say, for instance, one of my thing is like time management, right. <laughs> As we started at noon, right. So it's just like <laughs> the biggest thing for me is just like setting up a system that actually like works. And if I can day by day to start checking those things off it it makes me feel more qualified because I'm actually doing the work and I'm, I'm finding a way to get it done. So again, it goes on a larger scale. Like I am no expert in this field, but I'm mm-hmm. sharing some of the things that like have made me better, uh, which, which class of, or puts me in a position that I can actually talk about, it. right? Like I'm not the best, but I can help you because I struggle just like you. So like, these are a couple of things that have helped me.
0: Right. So, and I think that I see, cause I obviously I follow on Instagram, but I see that every day. You wake up, you, you show your alarm clock, you go walk your dog. I'm not trying to be weird here, Chas, but yeah. <laughs> you jump, you jump on your book, you take your notes, you know, then yeah. you're in the gym and then you're showing your post-workout shake. So again, you're going through all that and you're yeah. showing like, Hey, I'm going through it. So I, mm-hmm. I could do it and you can do it. Yeah. So I like yeah.
1: that. Exactly. Well, it's just
2: that you don't, you don't have to be an expert to be helpful or to be mm-hmm. good you know, for yourself or for anybody else, especially, you know, in, in both of you wanting to help people in your personal lives and professional lives. It's like, you don't have to have lost that 120 pounds yourself to be helpful to your client. There's so many other things that go into being a helper and whatever your goal is, you know, you have your own expertise in your own life and your own experience, but you guys also have knowledge that you've gained from your careers, from your education. And that gives you a different, you know, touch point to be effective for people. I know when I first started, I was working a ton with kids um, and there were kids in the system that had either been removed by DCFS or were at risk for being removed. So it was working with the kids and the parents doing a lot of parenting skills. And they would ask me all the time, they're mandated clients, so they did not want to be there at all. They would ask me all the time how old I was because I looked 12. And if I had any kids and that would bring up all my imposter syndrome stuff, because I was young. These are my first couple of clients ever working you know, with, and I didn't have kids. But with my own supervision and my own therapy, it's like, I was also able to see, like I still have something to offer because I have my education and my experience from my schooling and things that I can still offer these families and these parents and children to help them out. But that parent is always going to be the expert in their life. And that parent is always going to know their kid better than I'm going to know their kid. But that doesn't mean that I still can't be effective and be helpful to them.
0: So dealing with that, those parents, how do you deal with those people when you're trying to teach or better or give them knowledge when they're, I guess I want to say combative or reluctant to, to your information?
2: Uh, I would say always go with the resistance. You know, it's like if there's an elephant in the room, you're not going to act like it's not there sitting there staring at you like Mm -hmm. you acknowledge it, but you go with it instead of trying to go against it. And, you know, I would just tell them, like, it is shitty having some stranger come into your house right now. You Mm -hmm. know, and you have all of these people in your life and in your business telling you what to do and how to do it. I'm just one more person, you know, so validating that, normalizing that for them, but also praising them for what they have done as a parent the strengths that they do have the love for their child that i'm just here to help you and support you to walk alongside you it is not my place or my job to push you along or or pull you in any one direction because this is your life it's not my life you know but i think sometimes just acknowledging that and validating it can be huge especially in working with you know in in my case like uh, resistant clients
0: so I think that could transfer over to, to fitness too, because a lot of people that are like, well, I've done it before, or it's never worked for me before. But again, we all have different aspects and different knowledge to share. Um, and just getting the people to trust you. I think that's where, you, where I, I took from that, your message right there is getting the people to trust in you and understand that you can re- they can rely on you. So a big thing like with medicine and dealing with patients, we always want to build rapport and make a connection anytime we're seeing a patient so that they can trust you. If I go in there and I'm, I'm seeing a patient and they're just like, man, this guy's fucking cold, he just wants to check off these boxes on this list, they're not going to listen to me. They're not going to listen to my care. So I think that's the biggest thing, like you said, is making that connection and letting them know that, yeah, again, I may not know everything, but I am there for you and I am here to help you. And when you're ready, I will be here.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And just showing up and being a real person, you know, like in, in your field, in my field, it's so much about just the self of the therapist or the self of the clinician or the doctor for you that it's like if they don't feel like they can relate to you or feel safe with you in the room, they're not going to admit to you the stuff that they're doing that might be causing their problems, the drinking, right. the drinking, the whatever, or they're not going to want to, you know, talk to you about this maybe embarrassing medical, medical concern that they're having if they don't feel like they could just. could Be like that you're not like just bringing humanness into the room like you said if Mm -hmm. you're so cold or callous that that's huge and in my world as well it's like it's the self of the therapist that's so important i can have all types of degrees and certifications and practice all types of fancy you know therapeutic models but if my clients don't like me and if i come off some kind of way or they feel like i'm from another planet None of that is going to be effective or helpful. We wouldn't even be able to get that far in our work together to see if it's going to be helpful because they wouldn't come back after the first session.
0: Right. I've seen that Chaz can talk on this because he's kind of been coaching me through that, but I've seen that with you, Chaz, and making those connections with your, with your clients and people, even if it's through social media.
1: Yeah. Uh, something before you even start talking about that, I was just, I literally wrote down being truthful helps like it takes off all that pressure. You know, mm-hmm. like if I just walk in, it's like, man, hey, uh, I, I know I may look like I know everything, but I truthfully don't. I know what helps and works for me. And I know based off of other experiences, this can also help you. So um, this also, I, I, I feel that like just kind of getting that out, out of your chest, it, it also helps you relax. Again, now you're relatable. Now more people are inclined to trust you. And it's like the, the biggest thing with, uh the imposter syndrome is that like you feel that pressure like you you should know everything but really like you don't have to know everything and just being truthful and just starting with that leading with that foot now everybody's just like relaxed you know what I mean
0: yeah Mm -hmm. totally all right chelsea do you have anything else you want to add about imposter syndrome
2: um what else no I mean I think I pretty much covered it all I mean as far as like I guess ways to cope with it or deal with it besides just like acknowledging like it's here it's having an impact on me it's normal it's okay Mm -hmm. um starting there but affirmations can go a long way um just thinking about what you're needing so uh, a client that i was working with the other day he um he works for a major league baseball team as a coach, and he was having an interview, and he was extremely anxious about it, and having all types of imposter syndrome, and mind you, he's already been working for this team for a couple years, so they already like him, they want him to interview for the position, but he's having all types of imposter syndrome, so we had a a talk about what he needs to bring with him into that interview, and if it was calmness, if it was bravery, if it was courage, um, whatever it was, and repeating those affirmations to himself or a mantra. Um, and I don't know what it is about the way our brains work, but there's a lot more power and I guess, oomph behind it if you address yourself by name. So if it was for myself, I would I would instead of saying, you know, I am calm, I am confident, I deserve this. I'd be saying, Chelsea, you are calm. Chelsea, you are confident. Chelsea, you deserve this. It sounds like it's coming from someone else, and we all love a little bit of external validation. We can all take compliments from other people easier than we can from ourselves, So it just feels powerful in that way. So whatever it is that you're struggling with, if it's something very specific, like a big test or an interview coming up, or just an area that you're having some insecurity or self-doubt coming up with a mantra to address that can be powerful. And it's not the kind of thing that's going to change everything overnight, but we believe what we tell ourselves. So you could be talking shit to yourself about how much you suck and you're a failure and you're never gonna you know, achieve anything. You're gonna start to feel that and believe that. Or you could focus on something that's a little bit more neutral or positive. It doesn't have to be, I'm the shit, I'm the best, nobody's as good as me. Right. Some gray area, right? Like I deserve this, I am good enough, whatever it is that can, that can help boost that confidence and shut down that imposter syndrome.
0: To kind of add to that. So before every test, we have like a five minute, maybe like a three minute just break before everyone can get into the test. Cause we all take it in the same auditorium or on this program, the software program, but we have to wait for everyone to give us like three minutes. So everyone's on the same page. So then we click start at the same time in that three minutes. I'm, I tell myself, I've studied this. I know it, you know what you know, don't doubt yourself. So I'm glad that you said that. And that's like a, a tool that people use. I didn't know that was a tool and uh, I'm glad that I use that. <laughs> yeah Dude, okay. I
1: literally talk shit to myself all the time like it doesn't matter and I think what it's interesting that Chelsea said like you know you have a, a coach who is interviewing for a team that he's already a part of like it happens at all levels like people think like you're the low of the low and like I shouldn't be talking about this like clearly like they even want him to interview for that like it happens to everybody mm-hmm. So I think taking that in consideration you know and even the the, the self-talk like and I can just relate it to something I know best, but it's just like working out, like doing, executing a movement for like Olympic weightlifting, right? I remember when I was going and competing and like, you know, you, you literally get two or three chances, right? I was competing and uh, qualify for my Olympic trials and you step on stage. It's like, oh, shit, like everything goes blank. You know, it's like, do I know how to do oh, yeah. this? I, I, I don't, you know, and then it, it switches to like, man, like st- I talk shit, literally mad shit to myself, like stop being a little, you know, what, and just do this shit. And I said like, that, that's my yeah. words of affirmation. And that, that's crazy. I never thought about it that way.
0: Yeah, whenever do I feel you, like I'm struggling. Go, go ahead, Chelsea. Sorry. Go ahead.
2: Okay. You do want to be careful with that, though. The whole, uh, what is it? Like, break yourself down to build yourself up. <laughs> like, that kind of talking to yourself. Yeah. Like You don't want to be like, come on, don't be a little bitch. You got this. Like, be a man. Suck it up. Like, you know, like, you're still talking shit to yourself. And yeah. that might work in the moment, like you Mm -hmm. might get that instant like rebellious streak that's like, no, fuck that. I'm not a bitch. Like I'm about to lift lift right now, Like let's go. But you're still talking shit to yourself and we believe what we tell ourselves. So if you're always motivating yourself by putting yourself down, that's still, it's such a disservice to you and your overall sense of self and self-esteem that you would be a lot better off in the moment and long-term if you're praising yourself, reminding yourself of your strength, of your victories, how many times you've made that lift, no problem, you know, mm-hmm. those kinds of things where you're not, again, tearing yourself down to build yourself back. That makes
1: a lot of sense.
0: That's I, have really- add, <laughs> I have to add to that because when things get hard, I say, I'm not no fucking bitch. Like I tell myself all the time, I'm no fucking bitch. Mama didn't raise a bitch. So like I tell myself, raised
1: no bitch. Yeah.
0: So I say that to myself all the time. And I guess you're right, you know, because then you think, am I a bitch? Like, you tell, you tell yourself, yeah, like, am I I'm a bitch? Like, right. so like, if you're doubting ahead. yourself, Maybe so that's I true. Am. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And the way our brain works, like with our, and you might have studied this too in school, just like your neural pathways, they are, our brain is always changing and we yep. have a lot of control over that. And I like to think of it as, I mean, you live in Colorado, there's tons of snow, right? So if you carve out a path from your front door to the car, and you're always walking down that same path, you're walking the dogs down there and Nora and her stroller, like that's going to become a very well-worn path. Yeah. Whereas if you decide to go out a different way, it's going to be a lot more difficult to get out to your car if you're going through a shitload of snow to get there. So again, we believe what we tell ourselves. So if you're constantly telling yourself, I suck, I'm a bitch, I don't deserve this. I'm not good enough. That path becomes so well-worn that now they're automatic thoughts that Mm -hmm. we're not always consciously aware that they're happening. And that's why a lot of times we might just feel our stomach is hurting or we're suddenly really hot and shaky before a test or before something really important to us. We might not be aware that's the narrative because it's so automatic and so ingrained in our mind. But if you choose a different, different way to speak to yourself you're able to challenge those thoughts change them again it doesn't have to be I'm a bitch going from that to like I'm the shit just I work hard I deserve this or I'm good enough I deserve to be here like something just neutral in that gray area and you continue to tell yourself that through affirmations through mantras whatever that path in time will become just as well-worn as that other one and that that path that we're no longer using that i'm a bitch path we'll call it that mm-hmm. one's going to fill back up with snow and gravel and dirt and leaves and whatever as time goes by because you're no longer using it you're using this new path that's becoming the clear way it's the same way oh, with our thoughts
0: i love that i appreciate that Ma. Go. When i yeah i'm gonna shift that a little bit when i'm training I know. to, uh, to see,
1: see see how that works you deserve this. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> truthfully i do want to i do want to kind of sidetrack and talk about uh when you're talking about going on the olympic stage you kind of like a gwen blake for a second and then you know like you told yourself that you know i just want to sidetrack from the imposter syndrome talk about you know a lot of discipline and a lot of structure and a lot of hard work you know you kind of just jump into that zone and all of a sudden it clicks right you know yeah. so that's something i would like to talk about too you know you, even if you're same thing with imposter syndrome you know like we've worked so hard this many years took this many tests or whatever it is worked for this position. We, like I said, we've been disciplined enough and worked hard enough and put the right foot forward every day so that when we do step into that position, it kind of just flows. You know, so I'm glad that you brought that topic up about you, like kind of like drawing blank on the Olympic stage to, to lift and, and all of a sudden it just kind of clicked.
1: Yeah, the, the best thing that I've learned and I'm trying to seriously implement it every day, and uh, it's, it's from a, a book that I read from by Jocko, It's just like learn to detach. And like the more and more that we try and think about what we should do, you start second guessing it because you don't have the confidence. Whereas like I literally try and detach all my emotions and just let my body do the work. Like, or just like you, when you take a test, like detach, like again, repeat to yourself, like, I deserve to be here. Right. It's not shit mm-hmm. talking, but I deserve <laughs> to be here. And uh, you know, this information. So it's like the moment you like take away those emotions is detached. Your body is actually going to perform the way that you've been doing this whole time because you have been disciplined. You have done this. So you, you know what to do.
0: I agree with that with like, when we're taking our multiple choice tests and stuff, they always say, don't go back and check, change your answer or check your answer. And that's the same thing because you can like second guess yourself and like start getting emotional about something. Cause I'll do it sometimes. And I'm like, shit, like, I'm feeling kind of weird about this like should I change it like and then I just kind of leave it and it turns out well you know but that's true I like that too when in doubt
1: when in doubt pick C
0: when in doubt Charlie out <laughs>
1: that's
0: a. Mil- I don't know that I thought that was a military thing when in doubt Charlie out so <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well
2: and you're also talking about too if it's lifting or if it's school stuff is like muscle memory right like your body knows what to do you've You've done that lift so many times. You have so many reps. Like you know what to do. Your body remembers. It's just your mind has to allow your body to do what it knows how to do. You know, and that's when it's anxiety management. You know, whatever else, imposter syndrome management. Um, but even like with test taking and stuff, like I, I would never be the type that was cramming the night before a test. I've never in all of my education never. pulled an all nighter ever. Yep that it's like, you either know it or you don't. You've exactly. done the work, you've studied, you've done your assignments, you're, you're getting your clinical practice in. The time it comes to take a test, like you're not gonna learn anything new at this point. You really have the potential to confuse yourself even more, change your answers that it's like, you're better off that day before a test, like you do Nate, just sticking to your regular routine, waking up when you wake up, eat the same thing, work out, like just treat it like any other day because your mind and your body like that routine and like that structure that it's used to. If you start doing something different, that's when all the, the negative stuff can come up and get in the way of letting your mind know what it, let, letting your mind do what it knows how to do, or in, in your case, letting your body do what it knows how to do.
0: I love that you said that. I have two points I want to make off that. So a lot of people, I'm not saying a lot of people, but a lot of people are like, dude, you, you train before the test, like a, an eight o'clock test in the morning. I'm up at three 33 every day, every day. So during test day, I'm going to keep my routine, still go to the gym, still train, get home, shower, get my food ready and go take my test. Again, like, because like you said, if my routine's thrown off, then my whole brain's thrown off. Yeah. So I'm just like, Holy cow. So like, I think again, the, the routine, the discipline, the, 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 sets you take in the steps you take in this, the, the amount of studying you've done it's all there and you doubt yourself. So that, that that's when I want to leave to my second question or my second point. My first year we did all online tests. All online tests i sat at this desk in the corner of my room and took all these tests no one was around no one was sneezing all this other stuff you know i couldn't hear people sniffling no one told us there was a 30 minute mark left we shifted to going in person i'm getting oh, i'm getting anxiety talking about it right now actually my heart's raising <laughs> we uh shifted to going back in person i got test anxiety and i've never had test anxiety in my life because now all these people around me all these people are sneezing mm-hmm. and asking for napkins and coughing and like my first few tests weren't that great and that's the anxiety of not being in my environment and not having that routine. So again, I like that you said that and I, I've built myself or my routine back to understanding how I take my tests in person.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and that's a, a good reminder too that there's always gonna be things that you can't control, right? can't predict and you, you can't control what you can't control. There's no point in focusing on that. You just have to focus on what you can do or what you can control. So in that moment, how do I stay calm? How do I not become so distracted by the guy next to me sniffling and sneezing? You know, and (laughs) and and my taking my exam, which is like a like a four and a half hour multiple choice exam. It's at one of those testing centers that are supposed to be pretty controlled and quiet. No, everyone there is taking a different test, so I don't know what the guy next to me was taking, but he was huffing and puffing. He was like ferociously like erasing shit on scratch (laughs) paper. And there was construction going on outside, jackhammering, the windows were shaking. It was a nightmare. And within the first 10 minutes, I was I was about to walk out because I'm like, there's no way I can do this. I can hear my heart beating out of my chest. But you know, I just had to stop, take a deep breath, remind myself, I'm calm, I'm confident, I deserve this. I, I know what I'm doing. I just have to manage the anxiety so my brain can think clearly and do what it knows how to do and luckily it passed I was I was able (laughs) to but there was a couple minutes there where I was melting down because of all of the things that I never could have predicted or controlled
0: in your field Chaz, have you had that kind of kind of experience with anxiety of work or anything
1: um I mean not necessarily man like I I truthfully like believe like um it, it like what Chelsea was saying earlier, if it's out of your control, it's out of your control. Like, and I just try to remind myself that, like, um, I actually had this talk to my girlfriend a little earlier. It's just freaking out of anxiety of everything that's going on. Right. And it's just like, literally, if you can't control it, like it's done. Like, so I personally, if I pride myself on that um, and I guess it kind of ties back into the imposter syndrome, like that was one of my bad areas that I have like really needed to increase on. But like, if I truly know I can't control it, then I truly just forget about it. It's done.
0: That's true. I've, I've been, like I said, this semester, I've been, uh, I've been working on that with myself trying yeah. to improve that because there's times where just things aren't going to go well, your your way and they don't go well. And, you know, I, I still kind of do it. I give myself like 24 hours to be pissed off and just not sulk, yeah. but just like be mad. And then at that 24 hour mark, how am I going to change what I do did to be better? So I think that's a, that's a good a skill to have. You know, I wish maybe I could cut it down to 12 hours, instead of being pissed off for a day, you know, um, and then attack that way. You know, that's something I've learned, um, from the military and like school and all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a, another tactic that people can use when they think things don't go their way or they're feeling like they don't belong, you know, give yourself a day to be mad. And like, how can I be better? I've had all the skills. How can I implement them?
2: Yeah. And it's okay. If you need a day, like that's your (laughs) perfectness. That's like, Oh, if it was 12 hours, that would have been better. Like, Now I'm a bad poker, and you know it's like no, if you need the day, and that's okay, that's fine. But you're right, we want to sit in it. We want to acknowledge what we're feeling, work through it. You know, not just be so quick to brush it off or avoid it. Um, But you don't want to bathe in it. You don't want to get stuck in it to where now you're ruminating or you're obsessing and you're getting into that shoulda, coulda, woulda type of talk, like we were, you know, speaking on earlier.
0: Shitting on yourself yeah, yeah it's
2: Not going to be effective. That's just going to make you feel terrible, but also has the potential to derail you in the present moment and in the future with whatever's next. And in your program, like you don't have time to sit there and be upset about the quiz that you took yesterday because you probably have one today too. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Yeah. yeah I think I think that's a big thing that I want people to learn and maybe take away from this little segment is how can we improve and how can we get better and uh, find that avenue and attack it.
1: I like it. Mm-hmm. We can
0: uh we can wrap it up. Do you have any final thoughts either of you? We'll go through Chelsea first.
2: No, no, that's it.
0: What about you, Chaz?
1: Same. That's all, all right, well, man. This is a gold
0: I appreciate you coming on, Chelsea. Um, if you guys enjoy this, please share it. Please comment. Please give us reviews. Uh, we want to improve and we will probably be pumping out maybe one or what do you think, Chaz? One a week?
1: I'm down with that.
0: All right. Make so it see you guys on the next one. Thanks for joining.
1: Yeah. Peace.